0: Welcome to Transformational Pathways, a podcast created by Toastmasters District 46 in the greater New York area, where we share conversations from influencers within the Toastmasters community and people whose lives have positively transformed by walking down the Toastmasters path. Whether you're just getting started in your career, have had recent career changes, or you're navigating different languages, we're here to help you build confidence by discovering new tools, overcoming your fears to find your voice, and engaging in a thriving community. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Toastmasters District 46 Transformational Pathways Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Mason, and walking the pathway with me today is our guest, Christina Perron. Christina is a treasury analyst for San Group, a private equity fund administration firm. She's also a member of the Jade Toastmasters. Christina, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, first of all. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Um, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm very excited. This is my first podcast, so I'm really excited to have this experience at least.
0: And by the way, for those of you who are listening or watching and may not know this, Toastmasters has this thing called Pathways. It's not just a podcast. It's an educational curriculum. And because it's your first time on a podcast, you can use this to move forward with your Pathways educational curriculum. Christina, say, so get a little reward by spending some time with me here.
1: <laughs> Great.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. Are Where are you from? Are you from New York originally?
1: I'm actually not from New York originally. So I immigrated to New York about uh, 2013.
0: Oh, about eight wh- years ago. Yes. Where are you from?
1: So I'm actually from Guyana. Have you ever heard of this well, country?
0: Of course, it's in South America.
1: Oh, God. Thank you, someone who knows. <laughs>
0: it. One of my best friends in law school was from Guyana. So there's a reason I know.
1: Oh, good, good. Well, I'm glad you do. A lot of people usually mistake it for Ghana in Africa. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's really good, at least you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I immigrated here in 2013, and it's been quite a change, definitely, I can say that.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about growing up in Guyana. I will admit, a lot of folks don't know about Guyana. It's a—they have, certainly have no conception of—is there are there cities there, or is it all just one big city? And how is it different than the United States? And and how old were you when you came here?
1: Um, I was twenty when I came here. So, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those form- formative years, I think.
0: Absolutely.
1: So- Yeah, so Guyana, well, it's a pretty small country in South America. Population is about 700,000 people. And um, it has six races. And the main language, just a tidbit here, the main language is English. It's the only country in South America to speak English.
0: Interesting. And
1: that's because we were colonized by the British Empire. Wow. Which is something Guyana has in common with America. (laughs)
0: But I've got to ask, was there a war for Guyana to separate from Britain or did Britain voluntarily let Guyana go?
1: Um. Actually, it was definitely, definitely not a war. We definitely don't have the manpower for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
1: it was just, uh, it was more diplomatic, I think, at that time, too. They got independence in 1966, I believe. Whoa. So, That's
0: yeah, it was pretty-
1: yeah, it was pretty recent. So, about at that time, Britain started giving everyone independence. Mm. They just started sharing it out one by one.
0: <laughs> You're independent.
1: You're independent.
0: Yeah, so, bye. that's really how we got that. Interesting. And did you grow up in a city or in the country or a suburb or, or what?
1: Uh, I would say kind of a suburb. So, but it really wasn't that far. I grew up in the like the main, the sort of like the metropolitan area. A little bit outside of that. It's a place called Pleasance, so which is not that far from the capital, Georgetown. Man, so it's... I grew up there. And usually, I mean, when you're about 20, I lived, I think I lived a very sheltered life back in Guyana. There wow. wasn't much to do, to be honest. And really? I spent most of my time in school or at work. So I started mm-hmm. working when I was 17. Oh, so my. Yeah, so it was just mostly schoolwork and church, um, and hanging out with friends here and there. But that wasn't as much. I don't do. Th- I didn't do that as much as I do right now. So this is New
0: York. I am right. So talk to us about how you came to the united states were you did you come here for college did you move here because of the family or what exactly led you to be in new york city of all places in the world
1: um that's a very good question so i guess to answer that when i was younger my grandparents came here and they decided that okay there's so much opportunity here they noticed the opportunity here so their, I mean, what propelled them, the opportunity propelled them to work hard here so that they can apply oh my for God. my family in oh my. Guyana at that time. So they applied when I was very young. So I still went through school, um, different types of schooling, high school. Um, I went as far as high school in Guyana. And then our papers started coming through at the same time. So it's not um, necessarily an issue of I chose to. To come here right. it was more like you just always expected to come here because one day your papers are going to come through i mean we really heard this narrative early on in our lives so we knew that one day at least i knew that one day i'll be coming and um just to give you a little background so airplanes are very rare in guyana to oh, see really? them. So it's really just a magical moment in the night. If you go out and look at the moon or the stars and you see one of them moving across.
0: Really?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, I came here and then you see a plane literally every minute in the sky. So (laughs) it loses that value. But when I was back home, it was such a, such a magical moment to sit in the night, sit um, when it's dark and then you have the moon out and then you just happen to see an, an airplane And you would just run in, I would just run in, call my parents, like, look, there's a plane there. Because you know, one day you're going to be on one of them.
0: Wow. I'm gathering from this then that you saw this thing at night called the sky.
1: Yeah, I do. I'm such a huge (laughs) fan of the sky. I don't think you want me to get into this, but I I absolutely adore the moon. Really? I think I have it. Maybe it's a kind of a weird obsession, but I just love the moon and... Where we were located, um, after a certain time, let's say 9 or 10, everyone takes their lights off. Or maybe you have a power outage, so Mm -hmm. all the lights come off. But the stars and the moon, they look so close, like you can touch them. So I wait until everyone goes to sleep. And I come out in the dark, and I just look at the moon. And the fascinating thing, at that time, I wasn't aware that humans actually walked on the moon. So... It was just, uh, it was such an, uh, an enlightening moment finding that out when uh, I moved here.
0: Yeah, so. that is amazing. I love it. Well, you're talking to an audience that includes many, 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 many New Yorkers. So this concept of the sky feeling so close you could touch it and and seeing them, all this sort of stuff, seeing a plane go by. We hear them all the time. We may see them, but not at night. Uh, that to me is very very exotic. What was it like when you stepped foot in New York City then because again, you might hear the planes uh and I guess you see them sometimes but it doesn't sound like it was quite as magical.
1: Probably wasn't. So the first um okay, so the first impression of New York, right? So the the route that the plane took the night that I came in and it was one of the coldest nights recorded. Um so the route that the plane took, it, it went over Manhattan. So here it is. We're coming in the night. It was 11, 11 p.m., I believe it was. And there was just a sea of orange lights. I've never oh. seen anything like that before. Wow. It was just endless lights from coast to coast, horizon to horizon. And it was just this, it was just beautiful. And I, I couldn't explain, but I knew that, okay, we're almost landing. Great. So... And it's a very tiring day, trust me. You spend your entire life in a place for 20 years and then you just one day get up and fit 20 years of that in one suitcase and jump on a plane, right? So it was such a very emotional time, emotional um, moment coming out of that plane because you have... Uh, on one hand you have family that's waiting for you here after not seeing you for so many years Mm. and then there's the other side of uh, the world in Guyana where people who have seen you for all this time can't bear to let you go so here I was sort of stuck in that limbo should I be happy that I'm here or should I be sad that I'm here and I was, of course, I was crying all the time. My eyes were so red, Aww. and I would never forget this moment. But when we were going through customs, there was this um, this customs agent. It was late in the night, where groggy, my eyes were red from crying, and he sees that, and he says to me, "Oh, you know, th- you can stop, stop crying. It's gonna be okay." And he says to me, "I will give you three years to love this place." And I just always remember that I I never, I I don't know his name. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about him, but it was such a genuine moment where Mm -hmm. someone knew that, okay, I was really sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he doesn't even know me. I don't know him, but he just told me that and that has stuck with me for more than eight years. So.
0: That is a classic New York story in a way. It goes as to the impact, because there are so many of us here, that a few words that we <clears throat> might have can have on someone's life for years and years and years to come. We don't even realize it. I think that's part of the beauty of life, too. And I'm so glad you shared that story. People always think that all New Yorkers are mean and gruff and ready to bark at you and stuff. But there is someone out there with a really big heart for someone you didn't even know.
1: Wait, I know. it's It's amazing.
0: Now, you are a treasury analyst with a private equity fund administration firm. Oh god. It sounds so important. I'm scared. I'm quaking in my suspenders. What is a treasury analyst? Do you have a magic wand and like analyze? I don't know. Like, do you like read magic things on board somewhere and interpret all sorts of symbols and then do projections and all of a sudden the world change? Like what, what exactly is a treasury analyst for those of us that are afraid to find out for ourselves?
1: <laughs> well, it's not, I can tell you right now that it's not as complicated as it sounds. So <laughs> I'm a treasury analyst for uh, the cash team, treasury team. So what I basically manage is um, I'm part of the WIRE team. So we really deal with everything cash and credit for our clients. So if you need to pay your bills, as in your interest payments, um, whatever payments you need to make, we're the team for that. If you need to open bank accounts, we also do that. If you need to, let's say you don't have money, you need to borrow. We also Mm. sort of um, manage that too. It's really to do with everything cash, making sure that you have enough money. If you don't have enough money, we'll secure funding. So that's sort of, um, that's really what a treasury analyst facilitates. And it's, and of course, the end goal really is to always make sure your clients are happy. Yeah. And I'm really big on that. <laughs> I love, um, I always try to make sure my clients are happy and I just do my job to the best, best of my ability.
0: But it's now, a pretty cool. It sounds really interesting, but we're going to get to something that's really, really interesting now. You're walking around here, you're a treasury analyst for a private equity administration firm, dealing with money left and right, and you're, you've come here from Guyana, you've made this transition to the alpha city in the planet, New York, baby, and suddenly, yeah, give it an applause, and suddenly you're in Toastmasters, huh, mm-hmm. what, what, what? All right. What was that all about? Why did you (laughs) decide you need to end up in Toastmasters? How did that even happen?
1: Ah, okay, great. So I I guess I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Toastmasters. Um, So I attended Baruch College.
0: All right. That's um, great. love that school.
1: Yeah. So I did accounting there and I was working full time and I was going to school full time right? So, and I usually went to school mostly in the nights. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, but usually when you go to school in the night, as soon as class finishes, all you want to do is get out of there and go home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can so relate.
1: yeah, in my mind, I didn't have, I wasn't having this college experience, mm. right? It was just work straight to school, go back home. And the cycle mm-hmm. just continued. Wow. So yeah. I said, you know what? I really need to do something extracurricular. The problem was that the club days at the school, it was just Wednesdays from two to 12 to two, I believe I work at that time. So there was no way for me to make any of the clubs that I wanted to join. Uh, So then I, I thought maybe there are some people that do late clubs. So then I go to the website and I started looking and there were two clubs that did late, um, late, late meetings. One after five, it was, oh, it was actually 6.30 on a Friday, right? And that happened to be Toastmasters. So I emailed the admin and asked them if I can join. And they said yes. And they gave me the meeting information, etc. So at that time, all I knew about Toastmasters was that it was a speech club. That's really all I got from that. So to be honest, I wasn't looking for, I wasn't looking to go do speeches Um, I just really wanted somewhere to be somewhere to go so I can feel that I was a part of college you know outside of the um academics outside of academics so Friday comes around sorry go ahead yeah no
0: which club was that by the way
1: oh this was Baruch Toastmasters that was the name
0: gotcha Yes. and so you were saying before I oh so rudely interrupt.
1: oh no it's fine so Friday rolls around and here I am very excited, full of courage, you know, ready to (laughs) just leave work and go to Baruch. So I do go there and I, I'm walking up the stairs to the third floor. And I say to myself, okay, so it's going to be what? Six people? Like really who comes to a speech club on Friday after (laughs)
0: 6.30?
1: So I walk there, I go in there and I Turn the turn the corner and there is this room filled with about 25 to 30 people
0: <laughs>
1: My first thought is huh maybe these people don't have a social life either. <laughs> <laughs> Right? And and then I figured maybe this is the wrong club. But there's a huge banner in there that says Baruch Toastmasters. So of course I know, okay, I'm definitely in the right place. But this is very strange. Why are there so many people here? And... So I go to the front and we have to sign in our name. So there's this huge sheet that asks for your name, your phone number, your email address. I feel the only thing they didn't ask for was my social security. It was so detailed.
0: <laughs> oh, maybe you're just forgetting they did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I go up there and they welcome me so warmly. It was like oh. they were waiting there 200 years for me to just show up. As wow. a person. So they were so warm. And so they welcomed me and they said, you know what, you can have a seat right here. So he points to this chair that's sitting, that's right at the front. But you know what? I'm not stupid. This is a speech club. No one sits at the front unless you want to be all done. So, so I said, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be there shortly. So then I eye the back of the room and it's full. There are no empty seats at the back. But then how do I absorb this, observe this meeting if I can't right. sit at the back? So something, you know, intuition stepped in. It's like, you know what, just go to the washroom and come back. So I do that. And when I come back, as I was just about to make my way to the front, because the meeting was about to start, this kid at sitting at the back just picks up his stuff and he leaves. And I tell you, I became a believer. I be- I definitely became a believer in faith at that time. Whoa. Right away, I just went to the back of that chair and I sat down. I felt so secure at that time. So there were um, two people at the, the opposite sides of me and one in front. So it was I was protected. If they were gonna call someone to talk, you know, I'll be fine, definitely fine. <laughs> so the meeting begins and <clears throat> they start explaining. Um, they start explaining the meeting. Wow. And I was listening to everything, but then I stopped listening when he said, Oh, there's this session that everyone loves. It's called Table Topics, where we just <laughs> call people out randomly and just give them uh, topics to talk two minutes about. Mm-hmm. I kid you not. I really didn't expect that. And I didn't research the Toastmasters to find out like that was actually a part. So here I am thinking, um, I'm here to observe. And then now I'm suddenly in the firing line. (laughs) But you know what? I was just in, um, you know, I was in the perfect spot. It's the the back, who chooses
0: people from the back? Oh. Oh, naive one. (laughs) I know.
1: Unfortunately, I found that out the hard way. um, Because, you know, looking back, that was so naive. Because that's where they choose people from, the back. So uh, all this time going through, we had one speech that night. And to be honest, I don't even remember what that speech was about. Because in my head, I'm thinking, please don't call me. Please don't call me. I don't know what to say. Please don't call me. So the segment comes around so fast and they said, okay, so we're going to call our first, um, you know, our first person. Well, they called, they said victim. So, all right. (laughs) I'm just sitting there just looking away from everything. (laughs) And he calls my name like, come on, seriously. So he calls my name and I make my way up there. But as I make my way up there, I say, All right, what is this guy going to ask me? How to solve, how to achieve world peace? I don't know how to achieve world peace. What do I say? So then I walk up there and everyone's eyes are on me and my eyes on the floor. So he looks to me and he says, so tell me about a book you're reading or a book you've read. And I'm like, huh? Come again? What did you say? So the thing is, like, that's my element. I love reading, so um. I always have a book on me. Oh. So, come on, guy. You gave me that question. <laughs> what happened to world peace?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get so your here. Miss America moment. I'm sorry.
1: Right? <laughs> so Here I am. So I built into this um, novel that I was reading at the time, making parallels to the future, parallels to the past. Wow, so I'm, love I'm just, yeah, I'm just going through this. And I swear to God, at the end of that three minutes... If this was a book event, I think I would have sold about 20 (sighs) books, my friend.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll remember that when you write your first book. Now, I've got to go back into a couple of things that you said because you made some important points. There is a stereotype that Toastmasters is only for people who are afraid of speaking. And while Toastmasters is more than capable of helping those that have a fear of speaking come into their own and, and develop that confidence, what you're pointing to is the fact that not everyone that's in toastmasters is afraid of speaking in fact there's many people that aren't afraid of speaking at all that are in it. or if they do it's not such a dominant thing that that's what's driving them to toastmasters and in your case it's actually unusual you were just looking for an extracurricular activity and this happened to be the one that was open and that's actually not such a crazy reason to join toastmasters the other thing that you said that was very interesting you hear this over and over on this podcast. It's just, it must be a thing. It must not be a lie. After a while, if everyone's saying, saying the same thing, it has to be true, which is there's this sense of warmth, no matter what club you go to people are warm and they make you feel welcome. I'm going to have to start going to some clubs and and being mean to guests just to, just to (laughs) shake it up a little. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about what you think hearing those couple of remarks
1: all right so i mean there there are a lot of reasons why people join toastmasters right but it's i think the more important ones are why people stay Mm. right so i guess for me i stayed because not not because i really wanted to improve my public speaking i mean Mm -hmm. but to me toastmasters is such such i guess it's such a great opportunity, right? For this two hours, you're sitting there with a group of people, but it's such a good platform, the way you can share and you can learn from people. So people go there, and yes, yeah. they're improving their public speaking skills, but they're also sharing something that people in the audience would have never known had they not been there.
0: Totally. My own home club, Roosevelt Island, I experienced that when I first started going I've never really had a fear speech. I've always been kind of loud. But one of the unexpected pleasures was there were a group of people there that were immigrants from China. And they were talking about these beautification applications that are Chinese specific that they use on Instagram. And I remember being so fascinated by it. And they gave speeches about the cultural reasons why those are popular and expectations that their family had like one young woman said that she posted pictures on Instagram of herself without beautification technology having touched her up and she got in trouble and I, I would have never known these things about folks if it hadn't been for Toastmasters that's about connection and building community I love that you shared that can I ask you do you feel like that helped you as a college student or as a professional, or was there any other benefit that you got from learning all of these things about people?
1: Hmm. Very good question. So I think, I think Toastmasters has given me confidence. So I'm not afraid to speak with people. And I think one of the things that I was able to improve was that I always tend to have very not not formal conversations, like it's very respectful even at work and everything, yeah. but it's really where you're comfortable enough to put yourself out there and talk to people, human to human, person to person, right? So there isn't this, it's mm. sort of breaking down those invisible walls. Wow. And just having conversations because yeah. at the end of the, the road, right? When you, everything sort of boils down, a person is just a person. Right. So, and human connection has been around for thousands of years and it's still as valuable today as it was thousands of years ago. So, I think in some ways, this helps to improve that.
0: Mm, That's an amazing point. Now, in the pre show interview, you were candid with me about your Toastmasters experience and you said something happened during your time in that club that you wanted to talk about. And I thought it was an amazing story and wanted to ask if you would mind sharing that with the audience today.
1: Yeah, sure. Um I would. I would mind I mean I wouldn't mind sharing it with the audience. <laughs> so, um so right after that first Toastmasters meeting, I ended up joining the club. So I joined the club and I, you know, I met so many different people. I think one of the benefits of Toastmasters is the friendships. Yeah. Right. So I've met my best friend there. Outside. Really? Close friends. Yes. If it I wasn't for it. Toastmasters, I wouldn't have had these friendships that I have right That's
0: now. Amazing. Amazing. So
1: thank you, Toastmasters. Yeah. But as I joined the club, there we at that time, we used the booklets. So every speech, you sort of work on something. Yeah. And I did four speeches. I had done four speeches, and they all went really well. And by really well, I think um, I gauged that. I measured that based on people's reaction to how I presented the speech. So I did speeches on topics such as um, history. Well, actually, it was mostly history because <laughs> I like history. So I did mostly mostly my most of my speeches on history or human rights um, abuses, etc. So but I presented them in such a way that it was sort of unorthodox for me.
0: Interesting. Instead of just
1: standing up and, and speaking, I just sort of did it different ways to introduce it. So, you know, I was, on, to to be honest, I I felt so confident in myself. I was really high up there, you know. I was thinking, ah, oh, I can definitely do this. Um, only six more speeches to go, then I can get the certificate. Yay, great. <sighs> so then the fifth speech rolls around. Of course, all good things must come to some sort of end. So <laughs> the fifth speech rolls around. But this one was a really heavy topic for me. I had recently read a book about um, the Yazidis. I don't know if you know, but it was um, it's sort of like a minority rel- uh, religious group in Iraq, mm-hmm. so they were uh, persecuted, and so it was a really heavy story. It was about invasion, the story about in how they in the villages were invaded and what happened to the people, etc. So this was what I I wanted to portray in my speech. This is what I wanted to tell people, make them aware of, use this platform to do that. So I go in front of, it was about 20 people that day. So I stand in front of them and I start my introduction. I get into my introduction. Everything seems to be going fine. Right. You know, there's no telltale signs that, okay, something's going to go wrong here. Right. So I stand there and I have everyone, um, I guess I I just have everyone there. They're just waiting for me to say what's next. So I spin this web introducing this story. And then all of a sudden, it was as if uh, a switch just turned off in my brain. And I was just stuck like this with my hands because I couldn't remember anything else. Wow. So here I am standing with so many eyes staring at me. Yeah. And for 10 seconds, right? You can get away with saying, okay, I'm doing this for pause. I'm pausing. So yeah. this has so much effect. Right. But then after 10 seconds, you're like, okay, what's going on here? Is this supposed to happen? So you see all these, you see all these um, reflections on people's faces. I don't know if you've ever had an out of body experience, but this was a, for me, I just imagine seeing myself outside and I'm screaming to myself, say something, anything, say something. Yeah, yeah, So in front of 20 people, here I am flushed with embarrassment. I just felt so embarrassed as if I had let them down because they wow. were expecting another good speech. Yeah. I've let myself down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm just stuck here looking at these people and every word that I wanted to say, it's like they all crashed into one another and slammed into the door of my mouth, which sort of just oh refused gosh. to open. Wow. So I naturally, eventually, I caught myself and I looked around, and there was nothing I could do. Honestly, I didn't know what to do. So, in dramatic fashion, I stepped back twice as if someone was coming towards me and I said, I'm sorry. And I walked out. I walked out and I just closed the You walked the door out of the way. room altogether? I walked out of the room altogether. And to be honest, I would have walked and gone straight home, but I mm. left my metro card in the room. So, you know, you can't go anywhere without a card. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, but the thing is, ever since that day, my confidence went from 75 to 0.25. And it was such a huge hit to me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that sort of pointed to it being not like a genuine confidence. That's why it felt mm. so low. But yeah. from that day on, I never went back to speak in front of an audience because there was this always this lingering fear that, okay, this yeah. happened and this will probably happen again. So maybe oh you shouldn't God, yeah. do this again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how many years ago was this
1: um this was probably I would say 2017 yeah mm-hmm. I think it was around 2017 but I had taken a few years I I didn't go back just because of this I just had mm-hmm. didn't have the confidence to stand in front of mm-hmm. people and and say anything because to me it just always followed me like a shadow hmm you know, I and
0: totally understand. Yeah. yeah
1: so, but hmm.
0: that shadow didn't linger forever. Did it? Cause you're a Toastmaster now. I am. I am. Yeah. So. Like all the, like all the divas, you had a comeback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if you want to say that, okay. I guess that it makes it sound nicer <laughs> if you say that.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. we we like to keep a positive here in Toastmasters. So yeah, nothing better than a really dramatic comeback.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Uh okay, so I guess I should go into that. So after this whole bleak period of me just taking my excuses with me everywhere I go. So mm. um maybe I ran in a few times to a few um well my friends are still from Toastmasters. So right. you know we we talk here and there about Toastmasters and you know they asked me oh are you going to join a different club and you know people just ask me oh how are you doing with Toastmasters because they know me from there right and some of them may not have known that I blanked out in front of this many people and so after a while every time they would ask me I would just reach into my pocket and I pull out this excuse of why I can't do this anymore and I just share it out share it out you know what I realized after uh maybe like a year or two, that I have an infinite supply of this excuse. I really do have an infinite supply. But the thing is, every time I gave that excuse, it lost a little bit of its value. Wow. Right? So here I am just giving away things that are worthless. And at some point, I said to myself, okay, are you going to make the move or what? What what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for some miracle to happen for you to say, "Oh yeah, let me do this"? I mean, the thing is, if I don't, I guess I realize that if I don't make that effort to work at it, yeah. I'll always be a prisoner to this fear. So, oh, do you want to say something? You can go ahead. I,
0: I do, I, but I, I don't want to interrupt your flow. But I've got to say that was one of the most inspirational passages I've ever heard on this podcast, and it goes as to something I strongly feel that people don't truly fathom until they've had the gift of being involved with Toastmasters, which is that it ultimately is a personal development program as well, if you choose to take it that way. And it sounds like you have really used that whole experience in a way that's truly Self-analytical and truly accepting responsibility for the choices in your life and acknowledging the behaviors behind it and your thinking behind it for what it is, which is something most so many people can never do. And and if you want to move further and further into the world as a public presence, as a speaker, as someone who's really self-expressing, it's my firm belief that the willingness to own. Our actions and be honest about what we're doing. And I say this as someone who is guilty of using excuses and blaming and all sorts of other stuff that is maladaptive. Those things have to be let go. That's the only way you can really transform into a greater public presence. So, what you've said just really spoke to me. I want to thank you for sharing that. It's really being honest and real. Thank you. Thank you. So, Anyway, back to the story,
1: yeah, so where was I? okay, so i i just I just made the move, so I was working at that time in midtown, so at this point, I already graduated from school, and mm-hmm. the club club there wasn't doing that well, so they didn't have a lot of meetings. I had went to one meeting I went to one meeting, and right when I was going in. They were coming out. It was just a 15-minute. I think there just mm. wasn't um, a lot of people. Anyway, so I searched for Toastmasters right around Midtown. And that's how I stumbled upon Jade Toastmasters. So um, I just went there one one night just as a, as a guest. And... As typical of when you're a guest, even though you try to not sit at the back anymore and try to sit (laughs) up in the middle, they still call you (laughs) because you're a guest.
0: So,
1: you know, they called me. And honestly, that was the first time in such a long time that I've stood in front of people and spoke. I mean, the topic was easy that they asked me. I think it was a physical... I'm not sure what, what it was, if it was, they asked me about a physical activity that I did. So I actually did, actually I am doing karate, but I did karate back in Diana.
0: I I love it.
1: Um, so I talked a lot about that. And to me, it just came naturally, right? This, um, it came naturally to me because it's the truth. It's a part of my life. So Mm -hmm. I was able to sort of, could just just talk about it you know it wasn't like oh what the introduction the body the conclusion it was no it's a table topic so you just just talk about it it's yeah. just talking the goal of table topics I think it's really just to get you to to strum up that courage to stand in front of people and just talk because at the end of the day it really is just talking
0: yeah.
1: right does it matter yeah. how many eyes are looking at you yeah. does it matter that you're standing and they're sitting it doesn't it really is a platform where you can stand and you can share something that you want to share, or you can sit down and listen to something that you would have never known had you not been there. Um, one of the, I think, how I would look at it, too, is that knowledge itself is this huge ocean, right? I imagine it to be this huge ocean. And the thing is, not everyone's going to drink from the same part, mm. right? Some people, the, the water the water from the ocean that they drink is going to be sour. It's going to be bitter. Some it's going to be sweet, right? So the thing is, in that two hours, you sit there. So all the waters converge there and you get an insight in someone's life that you would have never known yeah. So I think that's really, for me, where the value of Toastmasters comes from. It's that social connection.
0: Yeah. I'm having a Tony Robbins moment here listening to you. I'm I'm feeling so (laughs) motivated. So before I just fly off the handle, just inspiring everyone off into the moon, since you like that too, let me actually get grounded for a second. The club that you joined, Ain't just any old club now, is it? There's something special and unique about that. Tell us, tell us, Oh, that's
1: true. It is, (laughs) right. Of course, at that time, I never know anything. I just blindly go into this meeting.
0: You open Pandora's box and look what flies out.
1: (laughs) And just hope for the best. So I go into this meeting and they have table topics and they also have speeches that are done in Mandarin. It's a bilingual club. So we have English and we have Mandarin. And what I love about it is that a lot of the people there are also learning to perfect their English or some of them are learning to perfect their Mandarin. So, of course, I only speak one language, but I just go because the people are really great. So I'm big on social, so I I just go because the people are great. But what I love about it is that it's very unique in that you even, you know, you sit through, you don't know what they're saying, but if you have, so you can ask someone, but since we're, since COVID hit, we're actually online now as with everyone, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but we have this translation feature in our meetings. So when the second speaker is speaking in Mandarin, we have someone that translates. So you can still listen to what they're saying, which is pretty nice.
0: I love it. When does this club meet? I may need to pop by. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they meet every, um, so two Wednesdays, just two Wednesdays a month. So, and it's well, from
0: 6.30 to 8. Excellent. So you're back. You're a rare and Toastmaster. I've got to ask you some questions that I ask everyone just to really prove that they're a Toastmaster to me. Hey, okay. Who is your favorite speaker? Number one and number two, who is your favorite leader? And why?
1: Oh. Oh, you know what? I actually use these questions when I um when I do table topics. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> now now gotcha. I have to think about this. All right. So who's my favorite speaker? Hmm. Who's my favorite speaker? Honestly, I, I don't think I have a favorite speaker, right? For me, it's, I watch a few TED Talks. I watched I wouldn't say a lot, but I would watch TED mm-hmm. Talks here and there. Mm-hmm. And for me, the most important thing was really what they were talking about mm. and how they spoke. Right. So, yeah. So I don't have a favorite speaker. My whole premise is really, what are you trying to say and how are you expressing this? What? Um, of course it's very important, right. To, to have, um, to, to have speakers to like, you look up to, right. So you aspire to be like them. But for me, I want to, I'm, I'm really interested in the content. What are you using this platform to share? What, whatever you say, is it going to cause, um, is it going to create problems? Is it going to have people think about a different perspective. Really, what what is the speech doing? Because speech is such a such an immense power. And if you don't use mm. it correctly, then there's just so much disaster that can befall you or befall people. Mm. I mean, we've seen this in current affairs over the last couple of years. So I think for me, I don't have an, a favorite speaker, but maybe I'll, I'll find one. But for now, maybe I'm just looking. I don't mm. have one right now.
0: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong, at least in my opinion, with really understanding what you said, that the power of speech is the power of self-creation and who and how we choose to create ourselves uh, may make the right speaker, or your favorite speaker, something that you don't even really think about. Christina, talk to us a little bit about yourself, your future, and where you see Toastmasters taking you one day.
1: Hmm. Well, first I definitely I think my my more immediate goal for Toastmasters is to get over that fifth speech limit without (laughs) a repeat of a certain story. (laughs) So but I really wanna explore where I can go with this because I enjoy talking. Surprisingly. (laughs) Actually I do enjoy talking and I do enjoy talking to people. So it's very um it's, it's such an innate part of who I am really. And I think this is just a professional platform that sort of gets a pathway that gets me where I want to go. So I want to improve my speaking. So there are certain things that I find in my speech itself that I need to work on. For instance, clutch words, I use them a lot. Um, yeah. uh, I use those a lot. So that's something I want to address. Also um, time, timing oh my god so bad with timing because sometimes I get really carried away in the story that I'm trying to tell that I I lose track of time and I go on and on and on and while it's good sure but after a while even if your story is you know engaging people have that especially with proliferation of social media attention spans are so low these days (laughs) that you don't want to drone on and on and (laughs) have people lose your message so for me uh, working on timing is another important factor for my future growth but I would definitely like to first finish this competent communicator path and then I'll try to do the I believe it's a I saw a pathway the last time I checked I think it was about comedy, or it had something to do with humor. And I think I'm gonna challenge myself to try that one just because it's something I don't think I would ever try. So I'm gonna push myself to do that. So that's that's usually where I see myself right now.
0: That willingness to push yourself and push yourself beyond what you could imagine, that's the spirit of a true Toastmaster. Thank you so much for sharing that. Christina. It has been great having you on the show today. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story with such candor and with such learned wisdom. Now, for those of you that are listening or watching, if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or a comment. And don't forget to follow District 46 on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. And if you're new to Toastmasters, check out toastmasters46.org. That's toastmasters 46.org to learn more about us and to visit one of our clubs like jade toastmasters or baruch toastmasters (laughs) and i've just got to say before we go toastmasters is where leaders are made thank you so much for joining us on transformational pathways if you enjoyed today's episode or got anything out of it please rate review and subscribe And if you're interested in learning more about Toastmasters District 46, check out the link in the show notes below.